0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate.
1: Welcome to the Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Genesis Amaris Kemp. She is a creative content writer, self-development advocate, Author, visionary, inclusion and, and inclusion and diversity enthusiast. She is a trailblazer who wants others to live out their dreams, goals, and visions. She is also the author of a brand new book, Chocolate Drop, in corporate America from the pit to the palace. Genesis has also been featured on four dozen plus podcasts, magazines, and now she's finally decided to start her own podcast, Gems. That's G E M S with. Genesis Amaris Kemp, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Lance.
1: You're very welcome. We're so happy to have you here today. Uh, Is your name biblical by any chance? Genesis. Yeah, Genesis
0: is the first book.
1: (laughs) Okay, that's great. That's cool. I I had to ask. I thought about just as I was coming down the stairs to interview you today. So. Um, well, be, before we get into exactly what you do, the book, all of that. Um, I would love to know. I always ask everybody this question, like what did you what led you to get into what you're doing now? How did how did you get here? Did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs, authors? You know, give us a little background.
0: So I'm actually the first author of my family. Um I didn't. I grew up with some entrepreneurs in my family. I did not have like a close relationship with them because my family is Caribbean and South American descent. So a lot of the entrepreneurs um, were in the Caribbean because that was a way of life to like, you know, grow produce or um, other things that they were doing prior to getting into where I am now. I spent 15 years in corporate America as a whole, and 12 of those years were primarily spent in the oil and gas and energy sector. And what really pushed me into the entrepreneurship journey was being laid off in February of 2021. And it came as a surprise, as well as a big shock, because I had already lost my dad the month before my dad passed November of 2020. And it was like one thing after another, like lost my dad, lost my job. Nine months and five days later, I lost my grandmother. And then just recently I lost my other grandmother. So it's just within a span of a year and a half, I really, um, had four major losses, but all of that has taught me to really continue on with this podcasting journey because if I could intersect and have great conversations with people from different backgrounds and we could bridge the gap, then that's one way that I'm continuing my father's legacy as well as, you know, helping other people in the world who have either been through grief or they just need to learn something else, something new to help set them up on their path to success.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, so, you know, from your bio and everything I've read about you, for read about you, uh, I would love to know, and I think our audience would too. Tell us why you're so so passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion.
0: Well, um, working in a male-dominated field for so long, you don't necessarily see a lot of women in oil and gas. And then if you do see women, sometimes they, they're they portrayed as assistants or administrative assistants, or they're not like that high up on the totem pole. And when you do see them high up on the totem pole, I didn't see a lot of women that look like me that I could resonate with. So I said, you know what? You're talking a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion. And now a new um, form has been added, which is B, which stands for belonging. But if you don't really... See that in the workplace, then is it just for clout or are you actually going to do something about it? And I didn't see trajectory around it until after the Stop Asian Hate movement and the whole Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter movement. I said, Why does it take a movement like that to really, you know, for you to wake up and see that there are inefficiencies in your culture and we have to do better. And I truly believe that when we all come together, we're able to really make this world a better place. So that's on the professional side of why I'm so passionate there. Then on the personal side is I'm multicultural. So um, most of my in-laws are non-African American, except one, which is my oldest brother's wife. So my sister's kids are half white. My brother's kids are half Indian and my oldest brother, his daughter is truly African-American. So I make a running joke. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like the U.N. nations over here because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have a little bit of everyone in my family. And then just with my grandmother on my father's side, she was ha- half Caucasian, half black. Um And so it's just different, different cultures. And whenever I hear stories of, you know, my nieces and nephews being picked on at school because they don't either one, like the black kids think that they're too white or the white kids think Mm -hmm. they're too black and they don't really feel like they fit in or, you know, vice versa with my other nieces and nephews who are half Indian, like that breaks my heart because who teaches their kids to like hate a race at such a young age?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm much the same as, as you in terms of a, of a mixed family. So uh, my dad who raised me was white. My uh, biological dad is Brazilian. And if you looked at him, he looks, he looks very much African-American. I mean, he's got uh, the hair, all, all, all the features and everything. So, and I'm, and my, my mother is half native American. So I, I feel, yeah, especially going, going to school and everything. I, I, I guess I always just wonder is are the parents teaching that or is it, cause there's been studies of like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the study of uh, NPR did a a bit on it a while back of, they, they said they took a bunch of random um, children. And then they said there was a black doll and a white doll and they picked and they saw who, who picked what. Um, So whether it's actually people teaching it or if it's just people's um, innate reason for picking one over the other, you know, I I don't know. And I suppose we could debate that, but um, I I have a quote that I would like to read to you if that's okay on this, on the line of diversity and everything. So, uh, Martin Luther King once said, um, I have a dream, you know, that my, that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they where they not, will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Um, considering that statement, wouldn't, wouldn't a focus on the physical characteristics such as race or sex run counter to the purposes of equality? Mm,
0: that is a profound quote. And I definitely can res- resonate with that. Because whenever you think about that, if you read that quote, and if we take a chance to dissect it bit by bit, you could see the message that he's trying to convey here. And it pertains to everyone. He's not just saying it for those who look like him. He's saying it as a means of a wake up for us to really sit, reflect, and then take action.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Absolutely. I mean, it resonates with me, someone who is, um, I did a DNA test. I think I am about uh, nine or 10% black. Um, not, not very much, but it was like the, uh, it was Uganda is where some of the DNA came from. Um, and that all came from like my dad's side who came over from Brazil. Um, so I agree with you with that, but like, but again, doesn't it seem counterintuitive for us to be focusing so much on identity, um, race, color, sex, um, whatever you pick sexually to the, to, to the counter. I mean, the idea was to be colorblind, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And you know, some people say, Oh, I was raised not to see color. Right. Mm -hmm. But then whenever you look at it, we're so conditioned because whenever you apply for a job, the first thing they want you to do is check a box, what race you are. So they're already putting people in boxes. When you go to the doctor's office, they ask you the same thing, to check a box. So even though we're supposed to be you know, raised or grown up as colorblind, going back to this statement, it's like you can't get away from it whenever you see it in the workplace, whenever you see it in the doctor's office, or even surveys like... Our society is still conditioning us to choose what box we fit in. And nowadays, everyone is so blended. There may not be a box yeah. for
1: your race. Yeah, I always pick other. Like, how are they going to define me? Like, I'm a, I'm a federally registered Native American, meaning I have more than 25% of me is by blood. And so then I'm able to prove that to the government. And then they say, okay, you're, you're a registered uh, person of uh, individual for the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians. I- I'm with you. And I I teach at CU Boulder and I see the same thing. It's like all of these little check boxes. So it seems like the way to one way to do that would be to remove the check boxes. I don't know if you agree with that.
0: I agree because if you remove the um, check boxes, you're also removing biases as well Mm -hmm. because like, for example, we weren't born in a box. So why does society keep trying to place us in this box? Like, There's not a one-stop shop and there's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to who you are.
1: Yeah. A related question, too, regarding that. So it's like, okay, society, these corporations, uh, institutions, they want us to check this box because they have to be able to track. That, my opinion, is they have to be able to track. Look at us. Look how diverse we're being and inclusive we're being because we we had, you know, 30% of our check boxes were Hispanic or, or whatever kind of uh, race we wanna point out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's, it's like, well, then how would they even track the diversity of it all, right? Um, I, I don't know if that you've ever thought of it, doesn't it seem like a catch 22 to you?
0: It does seem like a catch 22, but then another thing that I would go a little bit deeper with that question is then whenever they are doing their recruiting and vetting processes, are you just hiring that handful of people to check the box with your shareholders to show that you have this amount of representation? And is that individual the best fit for that job? Or did you just hire them because they looked a certain way?
1: Yeah. And if they did hire them and they looked a certain way, I would, I would call that racism. I would call that exclusion from meritocracy and that we're not hiring the best person no matter what color, race, gender. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I would agree there because I have interviewed some people on my show where they said, you know, blatantly. Yeah. I know I got selected for that job because I was a white male or I know I got selected for that job because I was X, Y, Z.
1: Yeah, exactly. Black female, uh, Asian female, whatever, right. Whatever they pick. Um, I, I I know you picked out white male there and everything, but Mm -hmm. just want to make like, it could be anyone. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, same, same thing about, so like individual, uh, I have another question about individuality and body bodily autonomy, right? Again, I, I'm just confused and I, because I don't, uh, I'm not as big of an advocate um, or diversity enthusiast. I, I just have other things to concentrate on. So I, having you on the show to pick your brain about this was part of the deal besides plugging your book. Um, so I hope you're okay with these, but um, why does the current version of diversity we hear about now depend on such a strong sense of individuality and bodily autonomy. And then if that's true, isn't it unfair to preach um, against individuality and bodily autonomy? I mean, you can't have both, right?
0: So, okay, this is like a twofold one here. So with individuality, one, let's just break that down. Individuality also makes people feel liberated they have a freedom we yep. live in a we live in america where we have the right the right to free speech we have the right to you know marry who we want we have the right to do certain things and etc that is individuality when you take away that individuality then you are saying to that in individual that your rights don't matter, we're going to control you, and etc. So then that starts to break down that individual. And then you're putting limitations on them, you're putting barriers around them. And you're telling them that they are only going to be able to succeed if they play the game, quote, unquote. Mm -hmm. Then whenever you think about it from a group perspective if you say oh yeah i'm gonna give you the right to choose x y and z but then you come back and say if you choose this these are the consequences well that is not complementing individuality that's m- mainly say i'm gonna give you an inch and if you take a mile then i'm gonna yank you back if that makes sense lance
1: yeah yeah absolutely it makes sense yeah i mean it speaks again to the sort of checking the box like are you checking all these corporate boxes you know
0: Absolutely. And like, for example, like I'll use ERGs. Are you familiar with ERGs? No.
1: And please tell us what that acronym means.
0: So ERGs are employee resource groups. So there are certain companies and I'll use oil and gas since I spent the most of the time there. So in this particular Fortune 500 company that I was working with, they had different ERGs. So one for the Latinos. And the Latinx community, they had one for Pride, which is the LGBTQIA plus community. Hopefully, I got all the letters. I think there. you did. Yeah. And then there was one for the African Americans, which it was called Best, so the Black Employee Employee Success Team. Then they had um, some ones for Middle Eastern and etc. But if those individuals are having the same problem across the board, but you are segregating them into different groups, then are we really pushing the narrative to be inclusive? And are we bridging the gap to bring all of those problems to the forefront and see what the common denominator is? Because if that group of individual is talking amongst themselves and they don't necessarily quote unquote have an ally, or a sponsor that could tie everything back together, then is it really beneficial to have those ERGs?
1: Right. So that that I was hoping I'm really glad you kind of summed that up right there and, and unpacked that for us. Because my one of the final questions I, not not the final of this podcast, but just like of this little segment is what what is the solution to this then? Because I, again, I kind of frame it back to like, okay, if it was me I would say get rid of the corporate checkboxes like you're 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 taking a group of people and you're putting us into these little slots and that is pitting us against each other because now all of a sudden we're looking at each other differently instead of being humans we're like black human white human red human whatever so like that's my solution but then the problem with that is and I think you agree it sounds like is that well then how do they measure if they're being if they're if they're including Um, the correct amounts of per population so that we have this, you know, perfectly reflective uh, corporate uh, group of people that are working together that reflect like society, you know, like uh, 30% uh, Latino and 60% white or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So like, what is the solution to this?
0: So one solution that I would recommend is stop talking against each other and start talking with each other look for ways that you share common interests and build upon those commonalities. And then as you build upon those commonalities and you see where you are more alike with someone versus different, then once you have that steady foundation, then you could talk about ways to mitigate and overcome those differences. In a conventional way, because you already built a level of respect with an individual, you have a level of trust. So now you need to implement the transparency. And remember, this is not a tit for tat or a pissing contest. It is a way for us to communicate respectfully with Mm -hmm. one another and look for ways that we can do better. Because if you think about it, Each one of us needs each other, no matter what industry you are, no matter what race you are, and et cetera. Like, for example, let's talk about food. There's diversity with food. There's Mm -hmm. so many people who love, um, like I live in Texas, Mexican food. And there was a big controversy about building a wall. If you build that wall, who is going to make the Mexican food that you love? And if you keep... um, if you send those people back, um, and when I say those people, the Hispanics or the people from Mexico or et cetera, cause I want to be respectful when I'm talking sure. about a group of people, um, then are you going to have that sweet, savory food that you love? No. So you need to respect them and they also need to respect you. And the common interest is great Mexican food. Um,
1: what about does, Asians? Oh, yeah. go ahead. Does that, so, but just to, I, I, just to kind of bring it back though, like, uh-huh. so when does this discussion occur though? I think we've identified something very critical here about when you go to get a job mm-hmm. and these corporations are pushing this agenda of their version of diversity, which requires them to check boxes. So is this discussion happening I mean are the are the in your scenario are the boxes still there? I mean it seems like that's where it's starting from.
0: So I believe that some of the boxes are there whenever you go through the hiring process. They can't always ask you those questions up front, you know, due to different legalities yeah. and measures in place. So you're not the first question is not going to be like what do you identify as as or et cetera, because then that's going against, some, you know, compliance stuff, but then you can ask them questions on the reverse side to make sure that they are Uh hiring you because you're the best candidate. So like, for example, some of the things that I do with my coaching clients, if they are going up for a job, you could say, what makes me the best candidate for this position? Um, what are some of the measures that you've done to improve your diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging program? And you could ask questions that elude from it and kind of put it, put them back in the hot seat. So you could not only are they interviewing you, but you interview them too. So you could see if, you know, the research that you did um, on that company is aligning with what they're saying to you. And if not, maybe it's not a good fit for you to partner with that organization because we spend the majority of our time at work.
1: I really like that, that you, you're you putting it back on the individual to ask those questions back. What if somebody said, what if, what if, what if you're in a hiring, you're, uh, you're interviewing yourself, uh, you're interviewing for, for a corporate position and, and you ask them um, that uh, you ask them all of those questions and they say, you know, are you hiring what what makes me the best candidate i think that's what you said what makes me the best candidate for this position and what do you guys what do you guys base your hiring on what what if a, a, a an employer who's going to hire somebody comes back and says we hire strictly on meritocracy is that an acceptable answer
0: no because i feel like that's a cop out like they're just saying that because they don't want to go beyond the surface
1: but doesn't that isn't the wasn't that one of the ideas earlier that you kind of brought up is that they shouldn't be hiring based on what somebody looks like, or what they identify as. They should be hiring the best candidate for the job. And there's almost no be- better, better me- measure for hiring somebody who's best for the job than by meritocracy, just by their merit, um, no matter what color they are.
0: True, but I would, I would also want them to elaborate on that because if they say I hire based on merit, but then they're not answering the other questions that, that you ask, you know later on. Yeah. What, what are that. some of those?
1: Exactly. So that's what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah. It's like, let somebody says, let somebody gave you the answer that I just gave you. And they back and they say, no meritocracy. It's the best we've hired. It's the best way to do it. It, it. it makes us colorblind. What are some additional questions you could you would offer? Like somebody should ask.
0: Okay. So based, so based on merit, um, based on meritocracy, what are some of the merits that you're looking for, for this position? Can you let me know some, examples. And then you could also go a little bit deeper based on my merit and based on my merit in comparison with the competitors who are also competing for this job. What what gives me a competitive advantage? Mm-hmm. Where do you see me going with the company? Because you also want to ask about growth opportunities and yeah. succession, because that would also allude to Okay, are they just hiring you to be a placeholder for that that position, but no um, personal growth and development within the company? Because that could also, you know, let you know red flags, especially if it's a company that hires you as an administrative assistant, but you may be in school and you may want to do something else. So that's something to be mindful of too.
1: Yeah, that's okay. That's great. Just have them unpack it a little bit more. Yeah. 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 I agree with and that. That's what I
0: mean. By like going beyond the surface level, because people like to ask those surface level questions because they don't want to dig deep because they don't want to back themselves in a corner.
1: Yeah, I, I and I get why you said it, you th- it, like you said, it's a cop out. I think if it is kept at a surface level by either party, then it's but I would still put it back on the corporation like, well, that was a cop out in the sense that um, you, you weren't challenged to unpack that a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really like that. Um, okay. This if is... I could
0: chime in really quickly. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Mind? So like, for example, I worked at, uh, this big fortune 500 company. Um, and one of the things that they said, whenever people would ask, why was I hired for this position? They said, oh, we hired the best of the best to me. I'm like, that's a cop out because when you're talking to people who just come out of college and they have, you know, big ambitions and dreams and et cetera, but they hear we hired the best of the best that doesn't really go beyond the surface level cuz you're telling every single person that they were the best of the best and But then you have a ranking system, which is forced ranking. If you're the OCA, which is office, clerical, and administration, or if you're in the MPT bucket, which is managerial, professional, and technical, and the ranking systems are different. If you're OCA, you're ranked A, B, C, or D, and you definitely don't want to be a D. If you are in MPT, you're ranked top third, middle third, or bottom third. So if you hire the best of the best, why are the different ranking systems different? Why are the pay structures different? And et cetera.
1: Yeah, basically why? I mean, I think that's, you just nailed it. It's like, if somebody, if some employer comes back and they have one of these, what could be a surface level uh, comment to you or, 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 or a statement, just ask why, like why? Why the best mm-hmm. of the best? Why meritocracy? Like what about meritocracy? Like, un- yeah, I really like that. Um, thank you for jumping in there. So, uh, let's move to your, your woman. And I, it's obvious, but like, um, you, you say that in one of your questions here that I have teed up for you, um, that, um, you wanted to, like, what defines you as, and makes you the woman you are today?
0: So definitely growing up in a multicultural family, me being able to know who I am and whose I am. And when I say who I am is like, I know like the type of woman I am. I know what some of my dreams are. I know like what, my personality type is and et cetera. And when I say whose I am, I tie that into my religious and spiritual beliefs. Because when you are so confident with yourself, you're not going to be swayed by imposter syndrome. You're not going to be swayed by what the world wants you to be or what your family members and friends want you to be via peer pressure, because you are solidifying that you have it all together. And I i don't necessarily have it all together and it's a constant learning process. But my goal is to be a better version of myself every single day and learn and grow. Because if I'm not learning, then I'm not growing. If I'm not being challenged, then I'm getting left behind because the world is evolving and I have to evolve personally as well as professionally. So that's one way that I define myself. Then another way that I define myself too is by being a WOC, woman of color. At first, like some people would say, oh, I don't want to be identified as this. But then you can't change the way that you look. So why not own it?
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like what everything you just said to me, it made me feel like Genesis knows who she is. She knows that she can define herself. Very well. And, and I wouldn't, you're just, I really appreciate that, that you're, and that's probably why you're, you're able to focus on a book and, and cause, because you're grounded in, in yourself and your spirituality and everything. So definitions wise, then it's been all in the media. So I have to ask you then if like, could you, what, what would you define? What is a woman?
0: <laughs> a woman? Okay. To me is obviously a woman that has certain um, genetic makeup, a woman is a is a lady that is multifaceted because we do so many things. We birth life. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman is all all rounded. Definitely, um, I'll use this analogy. So women are like noodles. We can interweave ourselves, where men are like waffles and they like to compartmentalize and mm-hmm. fix things. Yes, but um, women, we're nurturers we're compassionate, we're bold, Um, we're loud, we are creative. There's so many components to a woman. And I wouldn't necessarily want to define what is a woman, woman for all women, because we're all different. Um, But I definitely do want to highlight the fact that we are here to, you know, make this world a better place. And we're here to keep on producing life. And as we produce life, we think about ways that we could, you know, be empathetic. We think about ways that we can be compassionate. And we are also teachers because whenever you birth something out, like you're teaching instincts.
1: I think go that was to drive. Yeah, I think that was a great answer. Um, I think you defined it very well, actually. Um, great job. So, uh, tell us how you help women in the workplace, um, to create more diversity. You you talked about, uh, that you were one of very few women in that job you had before. I would love to hear your strategy to help more women, um, get into workplaces if they want to and, and create a more diverse climate.
0: So I definitely help women by seeing number one, uh, who they are, so doing a self-discovery exercise where I tell them, get out a piece of paper and write down all of the incredible um, strengths that you have, write down your qualities, write down the things that make you stand out and makes you uniquely you. I also talk to them about rising above limitations and breaking down those barriers, like what skills and resources do you have and how are you going to be the solution to that problem at that company? What can you do to do step out activities or stretch opportunities, which is something in addition to your base job getting done, but they see that you're competent and you're willing to take on more to advance your career. How are you presenting yourself? Um, what's your, what are you dressing like? Are you dressing for where you want to go? Are you dressing for how you would like to be addressed? What's your tone? How do you carry yourself? How do other people perceive you? And how do you want them to perceive you by your mannerisms, your dress codes, and et cetera? Because for example, in certain industries, some women dress, you know, sexy and because sex appeal and sex sells. But if you're working in this, other environment and you don't want to be addressed a certain way, then what are you wearing? Right. And, yeah, and then um, the last tip I'll leave is always ask questions. You de- like Les Brown always says, "You gotta be hungry." <laughs> <So> like. <laughs> Questions are made to ask, and people are always going to remember who spoke up, whether it was educate, educational or not. And they're going to remember that you took that leap of faith to get out there and just ask something so you could learn. If you're the quiet, quietest person in the room, people don't always remember the quietest person in the room.
1: I love that last tip. I would encourage anybody. I don't care if you're a woman or or a man, and you are an entry level graduate, and you are starting as an entry level person in a company. Like, please ask questions. I'm telling you, as an employer uh, to the audience, that like, it. it, it what um, what Genesis just said is 100 right. I mean, people remember you, and then eventually you're going to run out of questions. Like, are they going to taper off at least? Like, I, I promise you. Um, let's move into the book. Tell us about the book, and how long did it take you to write it? Tell us all about it.
0: So this is the book here. So Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace. It took me about two months to write the book. I did not have a laptop outside of my work laptop. So I wrote the entire thing on my cell phone in a notes app. And what really just drove me to just share my story was that I just got tired of facing wall after wall. So I was like, you know what? There was a way that I ended up navigating my career, not only starting over once, but twice. And the second time when I started over in my career, I went from an administrative assistant to a raw material coordinator where my specialty was polypropylene, which is a form of plastics. And then I went on to do trade regulations and compliance coordination. um, And I managed another commodity, which is polyethylene, a form of plastics. So I wanted to showcase that anything is possible, as long as you believe in yourself, you network and people, they know you for you, but they also know what you're capable of achieving. So I'm just gonna read the back of the book Lance, and I think it'll summarize everything for you. So I start off with questions. So what challenges in the workplace have you encountered that left you feeling as if you were mistreated? Have others who are unqualified seemingly pass you by in the ranks? In our daily lives, we are all faced with various trials, whether in the workforce or at home. However, when treated unfairly, it takes courage to stand and fight for what's right. No matter your race, nationality, ethnicity, or background, you can rise to be the game changer. When you use the power of your voice, you shake the atmosphere and cause a domino effect because others will choose to either follow suit or stand in solidarity. On the pages of Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, Genesis has chosen to speak up for not only minorities, but also anyone who has been slighted on the job in any way. From her personal testimony, you will learn how speaking up brought awareness so that long lasting change could be made. We do not win by remaining silent, overlooking injustice, and continuing to practice poor judgment. We win by standing together, engaging in those difficult conversations and helping one another. Let's work together to create change for future generations to come. And that is the back of the book.
1: Cool. Um, While well, we're running, we're a little bit past the half hour, but yeah. that's okay. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Um, no, I, One one question I ask every guest is, uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time when you first started um, your corporate career, what is one piece of advice you'd give yourself?
0: Um, definitely know your worth when you're going into the corporation and don't be afraid to negotiate your salary.
1: Lovely. Uh, Genesis, this has been wonderful. Again, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I hope our listeners like this conversation. Um, we dug into some stuff that we typically don't dig into on this podcast. So that was that was the primary reason why I had you on this podcast. Um, is because you were just you were unique in, in a very special way. Um, where can people find, follow, and learn more about you if they want to hear more?
0: You can go to my website, which is Genesis, that's G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, kemp.net I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Genesis Mars camp and Twitter at Genesis a camp, but my website has all of my information and I want to give your guests, um, three free gifts. So the first one is the first chapter of my book for free, which is on my website under the books tab. And then the second two are health and wellness. One is a free health assessment because what good is having a, Nice wealth abundance if you don't have a quality of health to enjoy the wealth that you inquired. And then the second one is a health product, which is the sunrise, which is all your super fruits and nutrients, which is really good because you have to make sure that you're fueling your body and you're having your optimal health so you could really produce that longevity.
1: Beautiful. Okay. well, thanks so much again for being on the show. we We, we appreciate your time and uh, we'll be in touch.
0: Okay.